On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to the Career Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes, and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. This episode features my dear friend Lucy Woodward. Born in London, growing up in New York and Holland, she is the daughter of two classical musicians. And as I tell her in this episode, man, she sure did have the storybook musician life. Working with the likes of Snarky Puppy, Charlie Hunter, Pink Martini, and several world tours with Rod Stewart, Lucy has done it all. Some of her other credits include singing for Celine Dion, Chaka Khan, Barbara Streisand, and Nika Costa, Carol King, Joe Cocker, Gavin DeGraw, and our mutual good buddy Randy Jackson. If this weren't enough, she is her own artist and she has a killer body of work. You need to check out her discography. And when things get back to normal, be sure to catch one of Lucy's shows. You will not be disappointed. Lucy Woodward, welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. I'm laughing already. <laughs> this is great. So I was I was teasing. I'm like, man, we go back hundreds of years. And Lucy's like, no, actually, it's 11. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we go back 35 years. I was like, don't make us older than we are. 11 years. No, but the, the thing is, and then I said, you look great. You don't look a day different from when I first met you. Oh. So, yes. <laughs> well, we have a very cool history because we also not only met Well, it's kind of such a funny story, how we met. And I'd love to hear your, I have it in my mind. It's like visualized in my mind how I met you. And I'm curious how you remember meeting me because it's such a weird, typical, not typical, typical Hollywood story of how we met. And uh, a song came on the radio the other day where I heard you play it that day. So, but I love, I love your, well, it wasn't you playing. It was a Brian Adams song. Okay. This, yeah, you, you go you, first. Okay, yeah. I lo- I, this is hilarious. So, uh, was it American Idol? Was yes. it American or X Factor? Yeah. So we both, um, no. No, X Factor. Was it X Factor? Yeah, because it was, it was Simon X-Factor. Cowell's new show. 
possibly? Yeah, yeah. it was his new pad. Oh, sorry, you tell it. No, 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 I love it, John. No. Okay, so <laughs> I got called to sing backgrounds for an episode of um, Simon Cowell's new X Factor show, and it was filmed at his house in the backyard. And so um, we had to, I guess, back, uh, sing backgrounds, or I had to sing backgrounds for a few different artists, I think. And one of them was that Brian Adams song um, someone did the cover of, Tell me, have you ever really, really, really ever loved a woman? And you had to play this whole, like, Spanish guitar. It was amazing. And I fell in love with your freaking playing because you're so amazing. Oh, and, and we were in the backyard. And then we became buds. And then, like, within a week or two, I was like, hey, I'm, I just signed a Verve Records. And... I'm writing for my record and I want to know if you want to write some song like that, like that flavor, that style. And we wrote a song and we met up in a studio. We wrote that song. We wrote a song called Purple Heart that I still perform to this day. And we wrote it in like 20 minutes because we were both going through the same stuff. It was crazy. Wow. That's how I remember. Honestly, I cannot tell it any different. That was, that's it to the T. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the studio that we were, it was a buddy of mine. I was, I was using his studio to rehearse and write in. And, uh, yes, that's right. It was, it was in North Hollywood. And I was like, hey, man, can, you know, I use your studio. Actually, it was Mike Elsner, Michael Elsner, who I uh, interviewed on the podcast not too long ago. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, so, you know, all roads I connect. I love but, that. That's so great. Yeah. But it's so funny because uh, the call for the X Factor, mm-hmm. I remember getting that call. And I remember standing outside of Simon Cowell's house mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills, like mm-hmm. this mega mansion. Remember that place? Yes. It was crazy. Black and white photography, beautiful, beautiful everywhere. Oh, yeah, super modern, streamlined. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, I was standing outside kind of waiting for all, everybody else to join in and I mean, to, everybody else to arrive. And we're all kind of collecting ourselves. And then you walked in. I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And we, it, like you said, we just kind of hit it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had... You had New York history. Well, I hadn't. I don't think I had quite moved to New York. I think I moved officially to New York a month later. So I had, I okay. grew up in New York City, but um, right. I'd been coming to. So what was that? 2010, at least you know, 10, 12 years. I'd been coming to um, LA to make music. All my best friends had moved there. My publisher was there. I'd made records right. there at Henson Studios. So um, I was like about to make the move out out there. Yeah, and that's what it was. We once once I know that somebody's from New York, that's yeah. uh, that's it. The, you know, the floodgates are open. We just talk that's nonstop. It. And so. you're long. Are you Long Island? It was Long Island. Long, yeah. That's right. And I was like, my cousins live in Dix Hills, and they're you know. So there's the whole. Yeah. You know, New Yorker, and then I was like, you're Cuban New Yorker. Is that yeah. is that what I remember? Are you hundred percent Italian Cuban? Cu- Cuban Italian. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have a temper at all. No. <laughs> I have zero. <laughs> Not on this right, podcast, so, you don't. <laughs> that's right. So, so yes, by the way, that song is amazing. I, I wouldn't be able to play it right now. I'd have to listen to it to kind of relearn sure, it because yeah. it's been so long. But you've been playing it at your shows. I love that. And in fact, I think throughout the years, we've been on the road with different people and yeah. we would text each other and yes. you'd be like, hey, I just performed Purple Heart. It's I still know. one of my favorites. I'm like, every time you send me a text like that, I'm like, oh man, I love that oh, that's song. That's so cool. And, and we actually... Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do it as an encore. Sometimes I do it as like the opening song of the second set. You know, like it really sets a tone because I just do it with me and and guitar. And it's actually, so the past time, yeah. the the last ten years or no, not ten years, like five years, I've been playing it more just with like baritone guitar. So it has this really dark, like super dark lullaby, and it's 
you know, it's just don't amazing. don't even okay. get me started okay. about Charlie Hunter. <laughs> like I have such a guitar man crush on Charlie Hunter. So I want to get to that. So okay. let's not rush. Okay, okay, okay. I freaking love you, Charlie. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'll so tell he's him. one of my favorites. Amazing. Yes, please do. I'm All right. So, so uh, wow. Yeah. So what happened then? I don't know. Well, then we never got to you write got any to... more songs again. I know. Together, but we will. Yeah. I have a feeling. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. just commit to that but um then I, I guess i moved to la and then we are both just sort of on the road i don't know right. this is just done we are both musicians and we both tour and we're always like the texting is where we uh right. that's that that love text of like hey what are you doing i'm thinking of you how's right. your you know the song and like i'm just got off stage and i sing that song, you know so yeah, it's yeah. a real um you know that's where it started okay so you signed to verve records at that point Mm-hmm. I kind of want to hone in on that because prior to that, you were, quote unquote, were you just a, a regular gigging career musician, so to speak? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, make this very short. I was signed to Atlantic Records in 2003, like a really gotcha. big kind of pop MTV top 40. I don't even know if you knew that. Like a top 40, I had a song on the radio, top 40 radio, and I did like japan as we were talking about before japan and z100 was playing my song that's why randy jackson yes kept telling me man she she needs she needs to get away from that jazz she needs to go back to her pop i remember him telling me that's so (laughs) funny oh my god because i remember he loved i mean randy was such a big fan he loved like the rasp in my voice and he would like hire me on a couple of things and he's like be that janice that you are be that janice and so he always appreciated the jazz standard. We always have deep conversations about like jazz standards and the jazz composers of the forties. But at the same time, he was like, he loved the, the, the soul side of me. And when I sang like my, my rock thing, whatever. Anyway, I was on, um, Atlantic and it was this very short lived, like very fast signing, just get out there, go, 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 go. And then also get dropped very fast sort of thing. So it was a whirlwind of a year. And that was basically my first deal. Then I took all my royalties. I had a couple of songs in the radio, took all those royalties, made an indie record. Um, Good for you. In my, my basement. I was just like, I'm doing this. this. I need to know who I am because you get very, very caught up and lost in that MTV Z100 world where they're like, you know, lose 20 pounds and then lie about your age and wear this and don't wear that and all that world. So um, basically like lose 20 pounds by next Friday sort of thing. So then after you go through this trauma of all that, I mean, it was, I have no regrets because obviously you learn about yourself along the way and all that. And so many wonderful things happened at that time. And, but anyway, I had to, I lost who I was, or maybe I never knew who I was. You just doubt so many things about yourself as an artist when you go through the machine. And so I was like, I don't care what this costs. I don't even know how to make a record on my own. I'm just going to do this. So it was basically me and like my then, um, my then boyfriend and my friend Etal Shore, who had just um, written uh, Smooth Santana. Um, song. Right, that's and huge. So I we were, that. And he, we had like funk bands in the East Village, like disco funk bands, ah. like in the East Village years before. So we had a whole bond, you know, we're, and so he challenged me. And he said, um, I need, you know, we need to write a song a day. We're going to write a song a day and just see how this goes. Even if it's not done, we're just going to write a song a day. We need to get you out of that, that mindset of being this pop top 40 girl. So, um, so we did that and I put out 
this indie record. And then that led me to singing in, around New York a lot, which I grew up in New York and I was um, sang at least once a month somewhere, Joe's Pub or this and that. And I was always in a lot of different bands and, you know, but, but that was my singing, thing. singing your stuff. Yeah, I was singing covers as well. No, this, I was real. I think I sang like a song from the jungle book. Like I want to be like you. Ooh, ooh. That was about it for covers, but I basically was saying all my own material. And, um, but I had, I was in like swing bands and I was in, you know, organ trios. And so, but I just wanted to write and write more. And so yeah. I was doing that very regularly. And then I, Verve started coming to my shows and then I signed with Verve and that's when I met you. So that was about 2010. And okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. Oh we my God. Over this. So it's amazing. But well, first of all, <laughs> here's the thing. The, the whole premise of the career musician is mm -hmm. to empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career. Mm. Now, I don't care if you're the side person musician for, you know, uh, anywhere from mid-level to super pop star acts mm -hmm. your whole career like mm -hmm. if that's what, if you want to just play guitar for you know whomever fill in the blank ariana grande sting you know two chains i don't care whatever who you have you if that's what you want to do and that's your goal then good what i want to help you do is make that decision Mm -hmm. stick to it mm -hmm. and figure out ways how to embellish that income as you go down yeah. the trajectory right totally if that's not what you want to do if you want to be an artist then I want to help you decide that quickly. Yeah. And that's why I'm so intrigued by this part of your story mm -hmm. because that's what, exactly what you did. Yeah. I believe instead of wasting 5, 10, 15, 20 years backing everybody else up and playing everybody else's music, you committed right from the get. Mm -hmm. Yes. That even that when I didn't know what I was doing, I was committing uh, because I had so much to learn. The thing is that I, oh, I, someone put a guitar in my hands when I was like 19 and I always, I always sang first. Writing was always second. And it still is. I love to sing first. I've obviously creative ideas all the time. I'm always writing, but singing is my number one instrument. I know that about myself. My mom was a singer. My dad is a composer. You know, my, my stepmom's an, uh, my stepmom's a singer. Um, but singing was always, you know, from the beginning. But I always, once someone gave me my first like 50 bucks to sing, you know, at the bitter end backgrounds for someone, I was like, yep, I'm doing this. It was just like, there you, go. you know, and then it turned into $100 and then it turned into a wedding gig, you know, at age 20 in deep Jersey, Montclair, New Jersey or something. And then you're like, okay, yeah. now I got five gigs a weekend. And that's when you start building your chops. And then you're like, that's I got right. this. And then during the week, you can get off the waiting tables thing and you can write songs and then you have all your work on the weekends. And so it's, but that takes like vocal skill build up, you know, build it. Cause you can't, I mean, I'm burnt by Saturday night. You have five weddings on a weekend. How are you going to get through this, the third gig? It's so much singing to do. Yeah. Anyway, there, there's all that. You're an amazing balance. singer, though. So, but so thank I, you. And that needs to be said. Yeah, thank like, you so ridiculous. much. Ridiculous. Thank Chops, you. Chops. Oh my god. Uh, you know, uh, 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 versatility, everything. You know, thank you pitch, so much. Tone, the whole deal. Oh yeah. man, thank you. Yeah. But 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 when you're when you're 21, you don't have that yet. You just don't have that. Right. You know, you're still like an athlete in training. You know, so. Right. Then, then I remember someone hiring me to do like my first jingle and I was like, this is fun. I don't think I was fast. You know, I remember that because he was like, okay, let's try it again. He's like, Lucy, I really, really believe in you. I want to have you be my go-to girl because I think you're musical and you're versatile and I think you can get this and I really want to make you a lot of money. <laughs> you know, and I was like, That's great. Right, yeah. You know, so it, I remember my first producer, 
really um, believing me. Lloyd, Lloyd Landisman, he's still in, in New York. He's a great keyboard player. He wrote, like, I think, like, Proud to Be Your Bud. I think, you know, he has such history in the jingle, like, 80s, 90s jingle world. And he's like, I want to, you know, shape you. Like, like learn from me. You know, you're not fast yet, but you're good. So, and, and then I just did that, did that. And then you just get that skill of learning how to just pick up music really fast and hear the harmonies right away and and right. offer whatever musicality you can to a very short session. So that's like the skill right. of being a s- singer. And then there's the art. And there's always a thing of like balancing both. And how much do you, you know, train one as opposed to the other or, well, you know what I mean? Like that balance. Absolutely. And there's so many artists out there who we all know and love who only focused on the art and mm-hmm. don't have really any skill, but they're still amazing. Yeah. You know? And then there's some others, conversely, who went the other way. But then I, I agree with you. I think it's a nice convergence of the two yeah. that brings a nice balance. Okay, but here's the other part that really spoke to me about what you did. So you you were, you were went through this training period, like you mentioned, which is fantastic. Uh, that's how we all cut our teeth, like you said. Mm-hmm. Then you got this big record deal, and you made some royalties. You didn't go out and buy fancy cars and try to get this, the biggest house on the block. You said, you know what? I'm going to take this royalty money and reinvest it into me. And that is something that I need people to really understand. Because mm-hmm. you had such tenacity to believe in yourself. And you said, you know what? The, the, the machine, quote unquote, tried to make me be this pop star. It wasn't right for me. I knew it didn't fit. But I, I made some money. I made some connections. And I learned lessons. Now I'm going to do what I want to do. I mean, that's yeah. huge. And, and at a young age, yeah. to know that. To have that uh, wherewithal so and foresight. Gary, yeah. I mean, I'd never really had that kind of like money in in my life. Not like it was millions, but I was like, wow, right. I just got a really cool check from BMI. And um, I had a few um, songs, not just on the radio, but in a, in a couple of movies. And, you know, right. so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't spend any money. <laughs> but, of course not. No, no, but I didn't. I was a New Yorker, so I didn't have a car. I didn't know how to drive until I was like 35, basically. So, <laughs> That's um, awesome. you know, I was renting. I've never bought a house in my life. So everything was like, I was yeah. really like living like a, you know, New Yorker kind of. Um, sure. But, um, and I wish I even saved more. I just didn't even know about managing money. So I just kept it in my, my Chase bank account. <laughs> it was just there. So <laughs> it was just there. And so when, because um, that's what I was taught. And then so it, yeah. w- it was, um, and then when it came down to making this new record, I was like, I want to be able to play with it and um, pay my pay my friends properly and and i i you know it's an indie record so it's not a union gig i'm just gonna like but i'll give the union rate i want to do that's the really cool thing about knowing what it's like to be a side man side woman um is well i i feel like i have that skill i know how i should how one should be treated because i know how yeah so that's a really big thing i feel like i'm more like a band member you know, I'm I'm the I'm a band member of my own band. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, you're the band leader, yeah, band member, yeah. singer, front person, all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So again, everything everything you say is perfect because you're talking about budgeting money. You learn that lesson, and you talk about the union. So many musicians aren't hip to the union. What what again? What they fail to realize oftentimes is when you're on the card, quote unquote, or on the contract, the rate is much better than if you just kind of negotiated it yourself or left it to chance right 
Yeah. Not to mention all the, the royalties and special payments. And mm-hmm. so healthcare so for so a singer for SAG, SAG after can be healthcare. Yes. I mean, it's huge. I mean, yeah. I think you're the AFM union is different than the SAG after union, but their job is to protect you. And I, when I'm in LA, I go to those singers union meetings because it's important to have this knowledge. There's always going to be a producer, whether it's, um, a jingle or a record producer or someone saying, hey, can we negotiate? Um, can I just give you this $1,000 and then call it a day? And your job is to, you would like to have them bring that through the union, uh, the singer's union anyway, because right. um, be, because it's, it's, the right thing, it's the right thing to do and it's protecting you in the long run. The, and the money doesn't even necessarily have to, to change. It's usually just people don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. Right. Paperwork. So the paperwork. The paperwork. Yes. It's all about the paperwork. Yes. So um, I, I, of course, singers love union union gigs. Of course, and you're always going to get the non-union offers. It's your just your decision or not if you want to take them or not. It's not a great idea. It brings the whole union down. They cannot protect you. They're there to protect you. So it's a very right. different. It's a different union than I think the AFM um, is set up, but. It's just to know know what you're worth and know how you're what you're worth on paper and know what backgrounds are in a group of one to two duo or a group of three to five you know group. There's a lot of those little things. They all add up and 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 they matter. It's just good to get educated, regardless. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, like, like, like you said, get educated regardless of whether you join or not. At some point, I feel like if you're hustling and you're really doing this as a career, those opportunities will be presented to yeah. you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've done both. I've done non-union sure. and union. Sure. Uh, and like you say, AFM is very similar to SAG after same, uh, where there's different rates and different add-on mm-hmm. rates that you get if you're doubling instruments or like you said if you're in a smaller group versus a bigger group mm-hmm. versus a soloist mm-hmm. you know imagine if you're the solo vocalist oh on a movie soundtrack that gets played all over the world you know in perpetuity <sighs> come on those royalties are Huge. real now let me let me tell you this one little story which was kind of like i realized how important the SAG after union was because they were there to protect me. So I got called, I won't mention names, but I got called to sing um, on a big pop record on a big label. And they wanted me to not only have big, massive, like 16, 12 to 16 tracks of background vocals, but also ghost the entire lead 
of every, wow. it was a very young artist who, um, that, you know, that's all I need to say. Sure. So, sure, sure. um, I was doing, that was, that was big in the day when like those vocal stacks were huge, like, you know, quadruples per part. So I would sing an octave, I'd sing a third, a fifth, everything. And then they can tuck it in however they want, just like the wall of sound vocals. And then yeah, some like, ghosting, you know, yeah, what were like you going to say? 32 tracks of vocal yes, stacks. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. more. Yeah. Or like, or actually like, like probably 16 and then like maybe a couple of, um, cause it's four parts per four parts quadrupled plus, um, a couple of ghosting, uh, right. and you know, tracks. So, um, did that now, the union rate, I'm going to like rough estimate it right now, but maybe back then it was like 152 or 172 per side, like per track. So if you have 16 tracks, multiply 152 times 16. That And then you're doing 16 songs because it's 12 songs on the album. And then there's four songs that are bonus tracks just in case back burner stuff. That's like a lot of money, right? That- <laughs> That's, that's a lot substantial. <laughs> and that, that, that's a lot of money. So um, they said, work out. I had to do my own contracts because me and the engineer knew what, what uh-huh. you know, he was cool. He was, and also back then, I think they changed this a little bit, but it used to be that if the song was longer than three minutes and 30 seconds, you get double or a half more. I think I might be totally bullshitting now, but if it was on a Sunday, uh, then you get yeah. more, you know, but we were at our yeah, own. If you, if you go overtime, right? over if it's time, on an off day, right. Correct, yeah, things correct, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the, um, the, uh, the engineer were, and I were on our own schedule. Like we just knew we had a month to get it done. So we were just like, Hey, you want to do a vocal tonight? Cool. So, so I remember us working out all the the timings and then I was like, okay, I'm going to put this down legitly on this contract. Like what, what I am really worth. And it definitely came out to over $50,000, you know? Yes. And I was going to say it's close to 40,000. Something okay, like so that. I was yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so then of course, the label freaks out like you have to come down and I was like but right, I also right. you know what I was like I knew who was playing on that record I knew the double triple mm-hmm. scales that these guys were getting the band and I knew what studio That's they right. were in so I was like and I'm the one actually ghosting this girl to actually make her sound like a singer wait a minute what do you mean like I know what these guys are getting and yeah. where you're recording it this girl you know so That's I met right. I met her once she was never there really I met her once in the yeah. beginning and so that, so I, I did negotiate a, a, a little bit down. Yes. I got a nice yeah, check out of it, sure. but I had to, it was like painful. The process of just the whole negotiating it's, it's thing is tedious very tedious work, tedious. Yeah. And also just a horrible, you know, yeah. you're negotiating your worth and there's so much going on and you want to protect yourself. You put, you know, and at the same time, you know what everybody else is getting paid. So that's like the facts. That's the educated part of like, who am I? What can I offer? And am I being ripped off right now? There's so much stuff. So much stuff. And this is why I love talking to career musicians such as yourself with all this experience and knowledge because this is the real deal, folks. This is the real shit. If you don't fucking pay attention, then you're missing the bus mm-hmm. because yeah. this you're learning from people who have done it. I've mm-hmm. done it. Lucy's done it. Mm-hmm. Our colleagues and friends have done it. So I always say you're not really negotiating unless you're willing to walk away. Ugh. Period. End of story. So hard. Uh, like if you can't say, no thanks, I appreciate the call, but no thanks. How do you say no thanks? Then, then you're not negotiating. I know, no, there's no negotiation. It's crazy, yeah. right? Because then you're just settling. How do I say, no? well, of course, I always say no thanks with extreme diplomacy. Sure, sure, you know, v- sure Very sure. polite and kind yeah. and, you know, never never demeaning or, or, mm-hmm. or, or facetious at all. But, you know, 
oftentimes you have to know what's right for you. You just said it. You're, you're negotiating your worth. Yeah. You're, it, and it feels like sometimes you're, it's your self-worth. It's not. Yeah. It's totally different, right? Yeah, you can't take it personally, you know? And yeah. they might be like, Lisa, you're the best one for this. Michael, you're the best one. You're the only one yeah. we can call. But you know that if you say, no, thank you, I really appreciate it, then they're like, okay, moving on. Who can we call next? You know, it's not right. that emotional. So it's just because it's our worth. We're living inside of our brain, our soul, our body. And we, get, we can get emotionally tied to it. And on the inside, you, you know, you're going to feel those feelings. But on their, as much as they're saying... You're the only person who could do this. You're not. Right. right. You know. No, you're not. So true. Oh, I know. my gosh. I know. So you're so not. Then, <laughs> so then comes the other side of what you said. Yes. I, and, and usually I say, you're negotiating, but you're not really until you're ready to walk away. But look, we always make concessions. As, as long as the person that you're talking to on the other end is cool and understands and really respects you and right. what you do. Right. Then, yes, of course, we're going to make a concession. Sure. And you made a totally. concession. But you probably made two or three months worth of income in inside of three or four weeks, mm -hmm. you know, or yeah. more perhaps, whatever it was. But that's the whole point. Sure, so yes, yeah. we make concessions as long as that person respects you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. yeah, this is such valuable. Info. No, I know. Thank you. Thank yeah, you and something you just said a second ago that made me um, triggered something. Oh, yeah. Well, what you said is if someone. Um, they might say, Michael, you're, you're actually the only person who can play this. And there are plenty of people who really, really do want what you have to offer. And no, there is nobody else who can play that part like you can. Michael, we need you. Though you can kind of tell the difference, who's bullshitty right. and who's not. Because I know That's when I'm replaceable and I know when I'm like, no, I know they really need what I, what I got. And those gigs that come along, I would, because they, they want it for me, I would almost want to give it to them for free <laughs> because right. it's like they know you know what i'm saying it's a i mean you know you gotta do yes what you gotta but do. because it's now they're calling yeah they're calling on your artistic vision and, right and and stamp right right which is worth yeah. way more than your rent yeah <laughs> you know but of course you got to know your yeah. worth so there's all these little micro yeah. decisions to make in the process I, it's so funny we talked about simon cowell because he created so many of these big shows that became you know phenomenons yeah. over, over the over the years i did the american idols tour live oh, in 2005 yeah. right and i did the first tour and it was great and they paid a decent wage and then they called me back to do the the second year and um he they told me the money it wasn't him on the phone but it was you know somebody who works from his office and i said uh i said you mean oh that that extra money you're talking about, that's for my per diem, right? That's not, so what's the salary bump? You know, please let right. me know. And they were like, no, 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 that's what we're adding to your salary. I said, no, I'm sorry. I said, if you gave me that per week as an additional per diem, that would be great. But now let's talk about the actual yeah. rent. Yeah, Because that's how low it was. Yep. I'm like, so I actually said, no, thank you to the American Idol tour. And yes. that took a and lot that, of guts. That's you yeah, know? guts. And that's a long time ago. Like you were yeah. you know, that's that's so you said the two thousand five, yeah. okay. That's like it's, Yeah, so two thousand six, seven, mm -hmm. they called me back and I was just like, I'm sorry, but no thank you. Uh now again, I knew that I was planting seeds everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. I was working my tail off mm -hmm. to make sure I got some session work and yeah. whatnot and blah right. blah blah. So there you have it. I mean, that's the thing. Anything an can fall through at any time. You might have the biggest gig. I mean, I had 80 concerts cancel this year with Charlie. Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah. So, okay, we did all this other stuff. You learned all this shit. <laughs> and now, now you're, like, you're applying it in real life. Because now you have Ooh. your solo career, and I love. I'm looking at your website, Charlie Hunter and Lucy Woodward. Music, music, music. Go oh. tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much has happened between um, that Verve signing in 2010. I did a record. I actually started touring with um, uh, Snarky Puppy. Well, not just touring with them, but Snarky Michael League, the band leader of Snarky Puppy and creator Michael League. He um, he was. Uh, he just moved to New York, and he was my bass player for a little while in New York. So he's like, you should come on the road. We did some gigs and some tours of like a little trio thing. And then he goes, you should come open up for us. Um, I have this little band called Snarky Puppy and you know, we're basically in a van. It's four people to a hotel room. But if you're down, come open for us and we'll be your backing band. So I did that a bunch, like a lot. And that was, that's when I learned, um, Oh man, I just learned everything. It was like the yeah. spirit and the community. That was a that was a big learning curve for me. Like I had already been doing my own thing. I had driven my own bus. Um, you know, you're steering your own career, like you know, yeah. metaphorically and and literally. Um, so you but, would drive your own van? Well, actually, too, right? no. I got fired. My band member fired me. Okay. They're like, <laughs> one time I did that, and I was like, "Oh, look at the pretty Oregon mountains." They're like, "Okay, get to get you know." They, you're out of here. They're like, yeah. "You're out." They're like, "Nope, no more." And I was, you know, they're like, and you know, they're just like white knuckling, like, "Oh my god, they're, right. this girl, no, 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 it's not gonna." Happen. So um, I was fired from my own, but um, but they uh, anyway. So I remember hanging with Snarky, and it was you know just opening up like whatever six songs, something short, and they were just you know, there's no money, there's no, it's just a vibe. And it was just community, music, maybe 40 people at a show, maybe 200, maybe seven. I mean, we. this is the beginning of their career. And um, I learned about that kind of hustle, like the touring hustle of just getting really, just get in that tour bubble and go and you just make it work. And it's about the shows and nothing else matters except the show and driving all night to get there and spending as little money as possible and cars breaking down and people not showing up to your gig and all that dirty stuff. Right. So I learned that I had toured and I'd done a lot of shows, but I hadn't like toured with a capital T. So that was my first taste of that. In the same year, um, I, got called to sing with, uh, to sub for Pink Martini. The lead singer of Pink Martini had um, gotten a last minute vocal surgery. China, China had gotten a polyps yes. out, you know? And so yeah. um, I had to I fill in. I love them. They're so awesome. Oh, so awesome. And yeah. I had to like Saw learn. them at the bowl last year. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and oh my God, they're so great. And they sing in like Croatian and Turkish and oh, Russian French. Man. So I had to learn this kind of like huge body of work really fast. And I was also in the m- middle of a massive breakup. So between Snarky Puppy and Pink Martini, this was like, my heart was being healed. And this is where, you know, we've all had that. Anybody listening, you and I both know music is a healer. You know, it's, That's so this this was I put everything into that there were just no more tears and I just was like I'm gonna learn Japanese and sing it every night at Montreal Jazz Fest whatever it was you know wow. so really really intense learning such an incredible gig and then um then I got a call from Rod Stewart <laughs> to join that so this was like another kind of world tour well Rod didn't specifically call me but um it, it was huge we, one of those things where um Conrad Korsh, who's one of my best friends, he was a bass player and MD in that band for a while. Well, he was a bass player then for a long time. He had called me and said, 
hey, are you in L.A.? We're recording this Rod Stewart record. Um, can you come over and sing uh, some backgrounds? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to the dentist now. I'll be there, what, say three hours? He was like, no, 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 no. You have to come now. And I was like, but I, and he's like, no, 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 Rod's not going to wait. You, you have to come around. You know? So I went, yeah. you know, I turned around. I, and that's part of the gig. Sometimes part of the we gig. have to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So I just kind of like, you know, went home, showered quickly, went there. And he also, one of the girls was, um, there are three backup singers and one of them was having a baby. So she was leaving for a while. So anyway, I entered the world of subbing for like 11 months. And then I ended up staying. And that was another like higher level of um, touring and really beautiful bubble. Rod was amazing. And the band is my best friends for life. And so between snarky puppy squishing four people to a hotel room and business class Rod, I was going back and forth with this crazy touring bubble. Now, both tours were amazing. The, the music on, right. both, were, on both tours was amazing. The vibe, the hang, um, one paid zero, one paid a salary. You know, it was really, right. but I felt my heart was in the right place. I was just like, this is what I do. It was a really, really big turning point. So amazing. Th- That's a great dichotomy to learn huge, at the same time. Huge. To- polar opposites, but so informative yeah oh my god yeah like really learn that was that was probably 2012 and that was having that both in the same year appreciating the crap out of both of them so much being obviously the snarky gig was my original music and it was a more artistic thing but the other gig like rod stewart songs singing faces music at like singing gasoline alley every night was like so much fun you know stay with me and it was a show it's a whole different thing it's costumes and you know but um, learned so much from both of them. Um, like a big stage show too. Yeah, the, like the, perform- the uh, persona. Yeah, on stage. yeah. Yes, huge. and and learning like I was used to singing small little clubs, and this was like okay, big screens of your big freaking face, and you know, big moves and arenas and some stadium yeah. tours, and and then that came along with making record records with with Rod. Um, so I did that for four and a half years, and then there was a point when I was starting to make my own I was like I need to well I left Verve at that point and there's so many little decisions that you have to make along the way you know like what we we're talking about before about your your career and your your artistic career and your singer career how am I going to make the money to right. to write to to record my own stuff and there's so many decisions you know so it's like you're it's like you're supporting your own habit yeah of creating your art right you exactly to figure out how to do yeah, yeah and investing it's like you have a studio right, right? you got to invest in your mic and you got to invest in your guitars and I got to invest in we know you're investing in your record. So how do you invest that? You're not getting a day job. You're going to go out and tour with Rod Stewart and you're going to do this. And it was also when I got offered that gig, I remember, and I, I think I had just subbed for like 10 months and he, and he offered the gig on my last show with him. And he said, the job is yours if you want it, you know? Um, and I had to really think about it because I remember when you're in a, when you're a sub, you're thinking, um, I don't really need this, so I don't have to stay here. It's not my. It's not really up to me, you know. You're everything feels temporary. You don't feel totally. Right. So then, I had to think about it and say, "Wow, if I take that rod gig, I know how. Um, what a f- full time job that is. I know that everything else is back burner, and that was a huge decision for me to make because I was just what I normally do. You go write new songs and you make a new record and you do that whole thing again by yourself and. I said, you know, I need to take a break from doing my my thing. I need to go. I need to go like 
just sing backup vocals for a while. Like I really, so, I love singing background vocals anyway. So, so it, that's such a difficult decision. So difficult. So w- when you did that, because you, like we said, you were always uh, preparing yourself to be your own artist. When you did that, did you do no Lucy Woodward work? Did you just dive whole, you know, headfirst into Rod stuff? Or was there still some kind of a balance? I think right away, because there was so much material to learn, um, I had to really just put yeah. everything else. Yeah, you have to. There's so much, so many dance moves, and there's always like learning That's the language, right. the dance, you know, there's choreography. That's right. So much fun. And then, but you know, I'm also a songwriter. So when a song pops up in your head, you got your little notebook or your notes on your phone, and you're just vo- voice memoing away. So that was few. That that was far less. You know, those moments happened because I'm learn busy learning Rod songs or whatever, um, and a huge catalog of them. But at the same time, after a couple of years of that, I was like, wait a minute, I've just been all of these notes and voice memos I have. I actually have a lot of ideas for a new record. I'm, you know what? I need to start. This this salary is now going to go into investing this next record. Once again, <laughs> taking that initiative. Put, knowing knowing where to take the money and put it to work. That's so freaking smart. It's so cool to hear you talk about it like that because these are such difficult decisions. And I, yes. I wish that someone said, yes, let's do it the right thing because you hem and haw over it. Well, there's this and maybe I should just be, maybe I should just sing back up. And you go through a lot. Okay, good. Michael. You do. Everybody listen of- to Michael. A lot of turmoil. No, listen, you did the right thing intuitively. You had it inside you. Right now, I, I'm the same way. Look, I'm working on the project with my wife, Nomad and Lola. We have our own band. Yeah. I'm like rubbing nickels and dimes together, yeah. figuring out how I can subsidize our next project. Exactly. And how, you know, I mean, that's it. That's all I care about. Of course, I'm being cautious and I'm budgeting and I'm making sure I have enough money to pay my bills and so forth. But you have to do this. Yeah. We only live once. I mean, I hate to be cliche, but no. I just lost my father. And oh, this is the so crazy sorry. part. Thank you. I just lost my father last week. Oh, like, it's still okay. fresh and new. I'm so sorry. So we had to reschedule because of that. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. My point is, my dad gave me that mm. zeal and mm-hmm. fire to say, no, go for your goals. Go for your heart. Mm. What's in your heart? Do it no matter what. And look, at the end of the day, we all pass. Yeah, I know. And what's going to be there when we pass? Okay, oh, I have this great bank account. You can't take it with you. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, and the bank account leaves no legacy. Mm-mm. But your art, your art will mm-hmm. speak for eons after you're yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's my rant. No, it's true. Actually, I was walking around. I'm, I'm in Rotterdam now, and I was doing some errands today. And yeah, I want to hear about that, yeah, too. <laughs> so many things. And nice. I was walking around, whatever, to the bank, and I was just thinking about, well, I'm stuck on this, like, song idea, and, like, maybe it sucks, and I don't know. And then you're thinking about COVID, and you're thinking about the gigs, and I'm supposed to go to Croatia next week, and is that going to be canceled? And all these, like, wow. you know... Europe is open, but we're getting a second wave now. Um, so then I was like, I'm going to put on my go-to uh, Buddhist uh, lectures by yes. who I had. I put on Tara Brock or something. And yes. I'm like, I'm just going to walk and do these errands while that's subconsciously going on in the back of me because just when I get panicky, I mean, my father, he sent, my father sent me to like meditation camp when I was 19 in Scotland in a place called Findhorn in Inverness. And that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. You can't just blow over that. 
Not every 19-year-old gets to do that. That's pretty huge. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't realize it till like way later. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting this. I realize that even if you meditate for five seconds and just press the pause button in those micro-traumatic moments about making decisions, yes. um, that leads you to make better decisions. So where we get up, we get caught up in whatever social media or the money that we're not making or, and there's this comparing thing going on. I cannot imagine raising like a child in this world, right? Just with social media alone or like a teenage girl, you know? Um, And so I know, you know, you know, the pressures of just hormones as a kid um, Ah. and having, you know what I mean? Like just as a, as a, as a girl. And so you're watching this world. I mean, I'm getting a little bit off track, but you still feel these things as an, as a grown, grown ass woman. You know what I mean? Like you still feel all of this. You're still a person in the world just because you're working doesn't change anything about like your soul. Do you know what I mean? So I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I I always ask my guests about principles and methods. Mm. So this sounds like that you've developed a really nice method for yourself when being faced with difficult decisions. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think meditating has certain, I don't do this every day, by the way, I won't even act like I do, but you know, I can certainly sit, I mean, when I was going through a really big breakup a couple of years ago, I was, um, I really relied on that to be still and like be, you know, you're just kind of thinking to yourself and also not thinking because the whole thing is about not thinking and detaching from any thought that what you think of yourself. So that's actually, you know what I'm saying? Taoism now, yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. So it's, the, it's, all this it's, it's yeah. not like empty your brain. It's not even doing anything. It's just like sitting in the uncomfortability of what the what's mm-hmm. going on inside of your heart or your brain. So there's a that's stillness, and you have to like you know and not reacting to it, right? Yes, yes. and that, and that's really hard. But it has helped me through really crazy times, and not just like you know, I mean, basically anything. It could just you know work or where relationships go wrong or even friendships or dealing with family members that are just can be a bit of a struggle just like the pause just hold on so i was i bring that up because today what you said a second ago about this is the one life we got and as you get older you realize i got decisions to make and you know what yeah. but the quality of my life is also really really important too and i have the skills to make the right decisions but then it leads, you know, to the thing of like when to say no, when to say yes. There's a lot involved. Yeah. This was like a super going off track of. Uh, I love it though because it's so relevant. It's really relevant. To, so <clears throat> those are those are little tricks that I do. I mean, you know, yeah, just to stay. Well, still. I mean, you 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 expressed a little bit of trepidation about having the the like I said the fortitude to. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this money and reapply it over here yeah. into my art. And I and I feel the opposite. There should be no hesitation. There, yes, you should do that 100 million thousand yes. percent. Yes. Like, go for it. Right. And that, that's where we went off. But right. I, I don't think we no, went that's off actually, at all. I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, it's a really good point because then there are the decisions that you have to make. Like, say, you're in, like I was in the Rod Stewart band and it's four and a half years in and I have all these songs and I'm recording with one of my dear friends, Henry Hay in New York and Michael League from Snarky Puppy. So it's like a New York community record. I'm going on tour, saving my money, running back to New York to record these songs, going back on tour. You know, it took took several years to make this because it's timing. And so, um, and then a million years later, you have a record. And then, so those little decisions up up until that point, I remember starting to, 
tell Di Reed, who was a backup singer then in the band, I was, she was one of my best friends then, and I was like, I need to talk to you about, you know, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to like leave soon because I got to go do this thing. And I, I'm not really ready yet, but I just need to tell somebody, you know, and I'm starting to really think about the next stage of my life. And she was like, girl, you need to do this. And the next thing was talking to the MD and then management. And then when right. the right time is to tell Rod and that was very hard. And that was like, we we're in the middle of a tour and I had to tell him and he wasn't happy. I mean, he got, he got like a little like choked up and then he really was, he was like, Oh no, you can't leave us. And, and I was like, the first thing I said was like, I'll be back. But I kind of knew deep down I wouldn't be back. And because I was also scared and you want him to, you want to hear those words like you're welcome back anytime. Yeah. And then, and then he, he sort of did say that, but I knew I wasn't going back. And so he said, and then he goes, you know, he goes, do everything, make sure you write your songs. You need to go tour, do everything the label says. I'm like, this is indie anyway. But he's like, just go do it. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. And he gave me a big hug. Like he has got this real uncle side to him with everybody in his band. So he really did wish me well and said, I'm all, you know, we're always here for you if you want to come back. And we've remained friends. And so it's like, it's, it was a nice way to end, but it was scary. It was so scary. Hey, this is Lucy Woodward and I'm a career musician. Binge previous seasons of the Career Musician Podcast and subscribe for all new episodes. Follow the Career Musician on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on the latest news and tips from the world's leading musicians. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Look at that. So so it's scary in the process, but it has such a be- beautiful uh, outcome. And I've seen his endorsements of you. Like, oh, he, yeah, he endorses yeah, yeah. you wholeheartedly. Yes, beautiful. he tweeted the record. Yeah, it was super cool. So nice. Yeah, and so I think amazing. it's like listening to your soul and knowing that I know that I couldn't 
make, even though his music is amazing and he's amazing. And my, that family was a you know, that band was a family. And I was just like, I need to, I'm, I'm ready. I got songs. I need to go do it. And it's going to be so hard. You know what it's like, like leaving a job that's been a job. Then I'm like, I'm back in the, back in the right. hustle game. Who am I? Who am I four and a half years later? Woo. That's the so same scary. thing happened to me back yes. in October 2019, a yes. year ago. Now, actually, now. Oh I, uh, uh, October-ish, November-ish, I, I left Face, Baby yeah. Face. Yeah. And it's a, it's a huge, huge, I'm just going to be blunt, it's a yeah. huge mind fuck at yeah. first. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, and then you have to, like, go through your method of what you said, of meditating. And for me, it was a little bit of meditating. I was actually meditating daily. Oh, good. Short spurts. Yeah. Just 10 minutes, but still. Yeah. yeah. You know, working out journaling staying focused mm -hmm. just let it like songs. purging yeah. purging yeah thank you purging it's huge it's how'd you get through adjustment. it how how did you how did you how did you get through it yeah the first i say no let's call it november december january february the first four months were extremely difficult mm -hmm. for me i'm not gonna lie yeah uh, I had some relationships with band members that were tarnished, unfortunately. You know, mm. some, some things had gone, you know, awry in, in the midst. Yeah. Although, to, to this day, Kenny, Babyface, Edmonds, and myself remain friends. Fans, you know, yeah. we're fine. Mm -hmm. I, I always, I will say this, always try to make it amicable. Mm -hmm. Never, you know, don't flip tables and curse people out and go off on a tangent because it's not going to be good no. for you in the long run. No, you got to stay kind. <laughs> you have to stay kind. Exactly. No matter what happens, mm -hmm. no matter what transpires. Yeah. I'll say that because it sounds like your situation was was great because mm -hmm. it came from you. You know. Yeah. Whatever the scenario is, just always remain calm and kind, like you said. It's the kindness uh, that's and that's hard because we can yeah. all get tempered and it's a crazy world. We're in a you know it's yeah. a crazy world that we're in musically. And we're emotion. Yeah, and we're an emotion. We're emotional beings. Yeah. As musicians, come on, look at I us. I know. What you, you have to be a wreck to be able to write. <laughs> Can you music imagine? From the muse, you I know? mean, exactly. Waiting for the muse <laughs> to enter your soul. Yeah. Do you, can you imagine? I mean, this is for you, but also for anybody listening. Can you imagine what life would be like without not just music, but without without creating? Like, imagine oh. if you had a normal, quote unquote, normal job, and you had no outlet for your emotional behavior. What? Like, who would you be? Well, I would be a cranky son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I noticed, I was down in Florida with my family for two weeks. My father passed. It was so emotional. Oh you know, I, I still have all this hurt and, and, but and love for my family and my mother. But I hadn't created in mm -hmm. two weeks. Oh, yeah. When I got home to my studio, I did one little cue for a TV show. Yeah. And for that two and a half hours doing that cue, I was like, oh. oh they're they're like, just there he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just totally let all my, you know, yeah. proverbial hair down. You yeah, know? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I find like when I don't actually create something, I actually start feeling sick. Like I yes. might get the flu or that I have chronic like lower back pain that I've had forever and I'm always working on it. But Me too. Though, really? And yeah. a tour life does not help that at well, all. It doesn't help that. And, and look, I, I'm sitting on this oh, thing. I'm showing so Lucy good. this lumbar, lumbar support device. Oh my device. God. Will you send me that yeah. link? I'll send you the link. Yeah, you gotta get like, one. yeah. that's yeah. like for any. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but um, sure. but that so that's a whole. And you you actually have you know your instrument that you're playing right. over your shoulder all the time. Um, but yeah, when I don't create, I actually start to feel sick or pain in my body. You know, so this like so. It's, yeah, yeah, we're very very lucky. Feel incredibly yes, we lucky. We are. 
Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so okay. so okay. we are blessed. So great. This, the, so great. The gift. My, my, it's so awesome. My dad always taught me uh, having a talent is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Because it's a blessing because, like you said, not everybody has it. So, it's you know, we, we are grateful. Mm-hmm. The curse is oftentimes art and commerce just don't mix. So you're trying to figure mm. out how the hell you're going to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hence why these conversations exist. Yes. Let's use that to bridge us back to music, music, music. Oh, yes. Charlie Hunter. You could ask me that like an hour ago. 80, mm-hmm. You had an 80-city tour that oh. got canceled due to COVID? Wow. Well, okay, so Charlie yeah. and I... We met uh, several years ago through Snarky Puppy Friends, and um, he was working with this girl, um, Silvana Estrada, from Mexico. They did a really cool record together, and she got her visa denied, like, for the third time for about—they were about to do a tour together in the U.S., so— she couldn't come to the U.S. He called me. He goes, hey, I love the blues. You love the blues. Do you want to jump on this tour and be here in four days? And we'll just do like the next three weeks. So this is two and a half years ago. This is me again. Notice like the pattern here. My mother always reminds me. She's like, you always get these gigs like as a sub, like Pink Martini, Rod, Charlie Hunter. Like I'm always filling in and then I like wow. make it my own. But I, I don't know what that's all about. I don't, there's nothing really deep there to talk about, but you know, and so, but I also know that I work really, really well under pressure. That's what I've learned about myself. Like, can you do this gig in five days and learn like a shitload of music? So, and I like that kind of deadline pressure thing. So, um, went out and did this tour with Charlie like two and a half years ago. And after the third gig, we're like, we need to record this. We need to really like do this. This isn't normally he goes out as like a Charlie Hunter trio and he's like, let's just go record this Charlie Hunter, Lucy Woodward. Let's, Let's do this. We're going to be on tour all the time. So we have... Uh, American, How many songs did you record? We recorded that Music, Music, Music was, um, I think it's 11 or 12 songs. Wow. So we, we didn't, you know, we our thing was to take all really cool pop or old blues covers and like just completely transform them. So we do Terrence Trent Darby's Wishing Well. We do an old Bessie Smith. We do Nina Simone. Um, and then, so we did this record and and... I think last year was like 190 dates or something like that in 2019. And that's insane. Yeah, it was like like driving across the country in a SUV a couple of times kind of thing. And every and, time I saw you on social media, I was always so ecstatic. I was like, oh, man, because I love Charlie Hunter. Yes, I love you. I'm yes. like, oh, come on. The best so of both worlds. Cool. <laughs> so I learned good. so much from him. Also, like musically, just yeah. as a trio, I've always had a big band, literally a big band, or yeah. um, a quintet or more. If I have budget, then I add three more horns just for fun because sure. I love big sure. backdrop. But Charlie was like, this is what I learned from Charlie was like, He's basically, if anybody doesn't know who he is, he has his own instrument that is guitar and bass strings combined into one. Sometimes he plays yep. six, seven, or eight string guitar. And, um, and so he pioneered that. He pioneered yeah. that, yep. yep. Um, hybrid guitars, if anyone is interested. So it would be him, drummer, and me. And he taught me that the fourth instrument is the space around you. So when I'm used to all of this big, you know, arrangement this was a very different thing so i learned a lot about how i sing and also also when to shut the fuck up and not sing you know just because that's also a really big deal and when you're playing this kind of funk man it's like yeah just groove like space yes get it i always say the same thing when i when i do a guitar solo so many guitarists are 90 million notes and i'm like uh can we hold on a minute and establish a motif (laughs) 
then you know expand on the theme a little bit right and then, you know and yeah then, take like, our time slow down yeah five second pause slide, yeah yeah right that's right. exactly i learned so much from that and also again doing it like the hustle and you know driving a million hours across again i was he was wow. like i'm gonna give you a proper driving lesson so you can really do this i was like okay but he never let me drive um also <laughs> fired before i even got behind this window i love how you can't ever drive no, no don't let lucy drive <laughs> Let her focus on her little singing in the back seat or whatever. Um, so, so we did that for like two and a half, you know, two years or whatever. And then, wow. so this year was scheduled American tour, Europe tour, America, even China was canceled. We were supposed to do China and Japan in wow. February. And that was the first thing that was canceled, obviously. So that's why those 80 gigs, because they were re, uh, rebooked, rebooked, rebooked. And then we just said, screw it. So we did record a new record in January 2020, like six months ago that I will we will put out, but the touring thing is okay. just not, it's just not happening. Not like, yet. Not yet. What's, what's the, yeah, what's, what's the, the inside uh, scoop? <laughs> the climate like in your office with your well, managers and agents, yeah. Well, um, I'm in Europe and countries are s- small the way states, um, you know, Florida to New York is basically Holland to Poland, two hour flight kind of thing. So, right. but every country has their own policy, just like every state has their own policy. So right. I did a gig in Switzerland and Italy in the last month or so, and People are masked and they're sitting down and there's limited capacities and I'm supposed to be in Croatia next week and they're now spiking just like Holland is spiking. So there's a lot of, um, you know, we have to just play it gig by gig. Call a foreign embassy, call the Ministry of Health, see how everything is doing in that country. Uh, It's really heavy, like every, you know, so November I have a longer tour, a few different countries um, and that's going to we're just going to have to see. I mean, if people start paying attention, then we could be okay and get through that. But as far as like U.S. touring, I mean, the sad thing about it is that at least for the level that I'm at, I mean, also like the Rod Stewart level arenas, that's a very yeah. long way away. But uh-huh. small, smaller clubs, even like the 500-seaters or 200-seaters, um, some of these clubs, especially the ones that Charlie and I played, they're not even going to be able to be, um, they're not sustainable Sustain. yeah. because yeah. they're so... Uh-huh. Small. I mean, they've been suffering already. So even if Charlie and I went and went back on the road, those clubs to connect all those dots where you're playing five, six nights a week are just not even going to be there. So um, that it's a hard, the whole, the whole ecosystem is just really reworked. So this is the time now pandemic world. I mean, everybody knows this if you're creative by now to like dig into the other stuff that you do that you can't do on the road. If you're a touring musician, there's songs to write, there's things to practice, there's, new programs to learn whatever it is and i'm i'm i just finished or i'm almost done with the sight singing class that i take every week online through the union like um that's just because i always i know my theory but i'm not a great sight reader and so why now now there's no time like the present so there's always something musically we can work on you know what I mean? That's oh, see, you could repeat that a million times. <laughs> it's so true, and oftentimes we get kind of complacent. We're like, yeah, oh, yeah, but I don't feel like doing that. Well, I feel should. that all the time. <laughs> oh my god, it's so hard. I did like scales today. I'm like, just do your damn scales. Just do them. You know, right? It's, get it done. Get it's so hard. But then, like, I mean, I do some workshops and like, master classes with like younger singers also, which is really fun. I was going to ask you about that. You're teaching, yeah? Tell yeah. Me. I mean, I I just sort of sometimes I get asked to do it, and sometimes I do my own thing. And um, but when I'm talking to anybody. 
that's they don't even have to be young, just sort of newbies, whatever age. Um, if you get up and you do your 10 minutes of scales every day, then you are setting your mind to be, I'm a singer now. Or if you write for 10 minutes a day, you are a writer in that moment. It's like part of your, it becomes part of your fabric. And then you are just slowly making yourself that. And I tell myself that too. I'm like, great, I did my scales today, cool. Cool. That's right. I always say consistency is key. Yeah. And it exponentially grows. If you do 10 minutes for a week, guaranteed you're you're going to start doing 20. Right. You just you start getting into it. Yeah, right? you and feel the evolves. difference. Yeah. yeah. Do you get to do you get do you, I mean, say it's a good day when you yeah. practice. Yeah. Or practice it sounds such like a band camp thing, I but no, I, you know what I mean? mean. But like if you're like okay, I'm going to go to the studio and like mess around and like not necessarily turn around turn on the computer or like you just want to shed or shred some stuff what do you what do you do how do you get into that mindset i always feel like hearing about this from other people too yeah now it's much more compositionally speaking yeah so i'm 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 intrigued with you know arranging and orchestrating and composing amazing um i want to the reason why i moved to la 15 years ago was to be a composer right hello yeah it's just it took a little longer than (laughs) i had planned life gets in the way right uh uh, so anyway yeah so a lot of times i'll just sit down with a classical guitar and just start working on counterpoint ideas Mm -hmm. literally make believe i have no musical training at all yeah and just start touching notes on the fretboard and seeing what happens yes you know i love that that's probably my favorite exercise Mm -hmm. now you know i'm not so much practicing scales and techniques as much as i used to yeah because like i said more of my focus is on composing sure yeah but much like you i took a an orchestration arranging class from the union oh great yeah see they have so much i'm so good so many great resources yeah yeah Yeah. um so you know and then different books i still have this sight singing book yeah sitting on my piano bench i look at it every week i'm like darn it i need to do that (laughs) (laughs) sight sight reading for playing or singing sight singing singing so actual singing sight sing yes so i'm like wow because i've been putting that off for years it It is is so hard isn't it and like you know your theory you know it's like you know you know but it's you know, no, as a singer, there's no, um, I don't have perfect pitch. I can't just go, this is C, right, you know. Same so yeah, yeah, it's a very different kind of thing to train, but at least, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's cool. But the more you do it, I was on this class last night and I was like, oh my God, I actually, I'm getting this. I actually have, like, I can do this at a tempo. This is so cool, you know. So right. it's. And you can identify the intervals quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part, the intervalic yeah. relationships. Totally, right? totally. But um, anyway, so those are the little, like, little, that's great. Little things just to keep keep those. It's like an athlete. You got to keep your tools yeah. and muscles sharp. And Absolutely. that's hard when you're used to being on the road, like you are, like I am. And then those muscles start shriveling up a little bit because they're not getting use. You start using different muscles. And then that's right. the muscles that, it's different. It doesn't mean it's better or worse. You're just not, I don't know, for me it actually is a little bit worse because you're not, I'm not used to, wailing every night so right if i'm singing if i'm writing or something i'm like oh now i'm using only half of my range mm. but maybe maybe it's just a different kind of approach to music you know i'm like only using the lower part but maybe maybe that's okay too maybe not everything has to be a huge dramatic melody so i'm learning about that stuff too maybe it's the power of the words as opposed to your huge range or whatever you know what i mean uh, yeah yeah so the see. dynamics that you're you're not so Used it's, to covering normal. Right, 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 right. Chill done out. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so I always ask my guests yeah. for some uh, words of advice, wisdom, 
you've already given us so much. Oh, my God. I just feel like this is the perfect segue because what you're saying right now is great words of advice. Make use of your time, you know. Um, Anything else that you've learned over the years that you feel like, oh, yeah, this is really important? Hmm. God, I really can talk a lot, can I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so great. I, look, I love this this episode. It's so organic. Okay, well, we're organic. It's so informative. Okay. So. Um, I think, I mean, we did cover so much about sometimes it's very hard to believe yourself when you know that there's an instinct that's right. Um, I feel like actually you might even have that down a little bit better than me. Um, cause you're like, no, I know what I'm worth. I have to say no, thank you. You know, um, or you have to speak up where, you know, and there's nothing to lose like by just speaking up and knowing when it's time to quit knowing the scary thing is like when we were talking about discipline before is like, you have nothing to lose. You can only gain, right? So you can only gain from doing those 10 minutes of scales. What is really holding you back? Is it lazy? Cause you'd rather watch like the next episode of Breaking Bad, you know, is it laziness, <laughs> which of course that has something to do with it. Um, right. um, but it's also like, you know, where there's so many things that pop up, like, where is this, if I'm practicing, what am I practicing for? There are no goals, especially in this pandemic time. I have no, go- there are no goals. Like what am I going to make a record? I mean, yeah. of course I have goals, but like, what are my, yeah. we're so used to live. We're such goal oriented people as a yes. human race maybe as americans I'm, I'm an american living in europe and i feel like of course i know a lot of goal-oriented people but americans are like really goal goal-oriented with a capital g-o-a-l mm. and it and i sometimes i get a little embarrassed about that because i've made, you know there's like a drive that you're raised with go 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 and i don't like are you happy it's a really weird diff- it's a different kind of thing and so- are you are you enjoying life for the moment that you're in right we, right, we right. tend to, to gloss over that right because yeah. we're just so busy it's like almost like yeah. your your destiny is the the goal but not not the journey is a destination you know right. so <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you know so so those are the things like what is holding you back the fear so i do i do think about that a lot as like the what is the thing that's really holding you back from doing those scales or, um, you know, be, and, and right now with this pandemic, it's because there's hard, it's hard to sort of set goals because we don't know what's going on in the world, you know, right. and, and, and what, and there's no, what, how am I going to release an album? And there's no tour. When I make music, there's a tour that's coming up and right. wait, so what am I doing? So, um, Anyway, it's it's just stuff to it's stuff to just like chew on. It's not really like words words of wisdom or anything, but it's stuff to pay attention to. I think it's paying attention to how I paying attention to how you feel. All the any weird human feelings that you have about what's going on right now in 2020, I think it's all very normal. But pretend it's not pandemic time and go back to like you know advice is just try to get closer and more peaceful to with with the truth of who you are and that takes time and skill and getting fired and getting hired and and all of the above and working with very difficult people like that you learn so much from learning with very difficult you learn so they're they're all lessons that's okay that's going to take away anything working with difficult people is the best (laughs) gift you can get 
American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. um, I'll say this. An understudy of mine recently came Mm -hmm. to me and said, "Uh, yeah, I I love what we do. I've learned so much working with you, and uh, I want to finish this project just as long as I don't have to deal with that person anymore. Mm. I said, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't make that mm. wish come t- come true no. for you. Actually, you have to call that person right now after we hang up. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you know, look, this is part of the of the Mm-mm. training. Mm-hmm. You have to go through it. You yes. have to learn. You know, uh, you know how many times I put my foot in my mouth and said stupid shit that I shouldn't shouldn't have said. It got me fired. Yes. <laughs> okay, I learned a really valuable learned. lesson. That's your lesson. You know? And you might be like full of rage and like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind with this person or, yeah. and uh, I, those are the best lessons ever you because have to go through you it. have to go through it and you have to remain again, peaceful and well, you don't always have to remain peaceful, but you have to remain respectful. You don't have yes. to like the person, but it's like respecting the situation. That's I don't right. know. You know, that's I whatever. love it. Okay, that's fine. I love it. I all right, all right. So just uh, anybody go to lucywoodward.com. All of her information's there. You're you got all the socials happening. Your music is everywhere. Your music is beautiful. Aww. If you haven't checked out Lucy's music yet, do yourself a favor. Thank put you. it on. Put some good headphones on or some good speakers. Sit back with a glass of wine or what, whatever your 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 poison is and yeah. vibe out. And check out the song. Out. Check out the song that we wrote called Purple Heart. It's so beautiful. Ah. That's I'm, I'm gonna, I get to plug that because we wrote it together. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to go listen to that yeah, today. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. Cool. So gorgeous. Okay. Hey. So I want to wrap with some rapid yes. fire questions. Yes. 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 That's okay. Yes. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Favorite food. Sushi. Favorite libation. Red wine, Pinot Noir. Favorite sport. Gymnastics when I'm watching the Olympics or sport that I don't play yoga. If yoga is a sport. Nice. How do you spend your free time when you're not doing scales? <laughs> oh, God. I'm thinking about doing scales. No. Um, I'm spending more time. Oh, my God. What do I mean? What hobbies do I do? I have any hobbies? And I'm, that's a problem with most a, of us musicians. Uh, we need more hobbies. I think the pandemic real quick was the, the, the uh, lesson learned because I was like, I get to learn how to make a new meal every night because I'm home. So that I'm going to say cooking. Yeah. Cooking is fun. Perfect. Cooking is fun. Love it. Okay, this next one I already know the answer to: drive or be driven. Apparently, you're not allowed to drive. So. The thing is, I like driving. That's the thing. I'm gonna say I like to drive, but you know what? Being driven is pretty fun. Yeah, it's not your fault. You didn't I drive know. until you were much like later on. In, yeah. <laughs> All right, what activities did you used to enjoy on those long flights? Oh, 
Um, honestly, it's the best time when you can just turn your phone off and just like watch every movie possible and be totally in somebody else's fantasy world. And that's it. Yes. I'm so yes. happy watching movies, not thinking about anything but other people's problems. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's a great unplug time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the last song that you've listened to that you had no professional association with? You didn't work on it at all. Like the last song that I just... Um, last song or band or artist, whatever. Um, I was listening to Johnny Cash all day yesterday. Love that. Just rootsy, simple, storyteller, boom. Storyteller. Storyteller. Oh, and, that, and that low grit tone mm-hmm. that he had. Oh, yep. just, ah. That's it. All right. Song, band, or artist that changed you? At any age. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh my gosh, this is... Well, I remember seeing Blonde Ambition tour, Madonna tour, and I was in the second row, and I cried all the way home, sobbing, not only because I had such a good time, but it was a really spiritual, um, my first kind of spiritual realization that I was like, I need to make music. This is what I do. It was like spiritual, like I was sobbing, and just because I was so in touch with like my calling. That's weird. That's As awesome. I didn't, no, I didn't mean to chuckle. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> no, 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 I you can laugh. <laughs> I always tease my wife, Lola, because she's like all about Madonna too. Yes, and I'm yeah. like, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're like, really? But when you're 14 <laughs> no. and you're like, I'm going to yeah, no, sing. No, oh, yeah. Just tears because I was, I had been found or something. Wow. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you knew it. Okay, uh, favorite TV show or movie that you've been streaming lately? Oh, man. Um, well, lately, I'm um, going through a lot of them right now. I'm actually watching Amazon Prime Hannah, this really kind of cool. Yes. It's very cool. Um, very cool. But I think Breaking Bad will be my forever favorite. It's hard and to top that, isn't it? It's hard to top that. And I think I'm going to start from the beginning and watch it again if this pandemic goes on any longer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Are you reading anything? I see you sitting behind a Oh, I'm at my dad's. I'm quarantining at my house. My dad, if you yeah. look up, like, it's like every room is like, oh. you know, it's so cool. They're all like librettos. He's an opera. He's a composer. So it's all like, but my stepmom is a philosopher now. She was an opera singer and she retired oh. to study philosophy. So they're all books on philosophy and thinkers. And it's really an inspiring house to be in right now. Um, I can only imagine. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, what am I reading right now? Well, I'm reading my sight singing book. Um, and I'm Ooh, also, nice. I'm reading Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I'm reading The Buddhist Brain. And I'm reading um, um, Where the Crawdads Sing. Wow. Sing oh. or play. I'm, I read a lot of books at the same time. So it takes me like two years to get through them all. But that's so cool. And a lot yeah. of that, most of it went over my head, but that's I okay. love the fact that you're so engaged. So. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Wow. Okay, shop. Now let's talk about something less like, so important. Let's talk about shopping. <laughs> Online or brick and mortar? <laughs> brick and mortar. Yeah, when you can, I know. When right? I can. Especially in Europe, for crying out loud. You got the best stores. It's just stroll. Yeah. Just yeah. stroll and, yeah. yeah. Oh, with the cobblestone the cobble- pathways yes, and everything. that's Come why on. it can be fun. I like to try things on. When you go sh- online shopping, I'm like, what if it doesn't fit? Then you got to go to the post right. office and send, you know. Right, that was right. so grand. Right, dream reason. collaboration. You've had quite a few already, but if there was one you didn't have. I always think um, Steven Tyler. 
I just want to sing a duet with him or just like a verse or even just backgrounds or just one line or just echo him. <laughs> Steven Tyler, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I love his voice so much. Yeah. I know it sounds like there's so many people I'd love to work with. I mean, I'd love to work with Chopin if he were alive, but yes, vocally. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But vocally, Steven Tyler um, or Bjork. Bjork in some Oh, way. wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Chopin, Steven Tyler, and Bjork. Yeah. I mean, come on. That That's a nice eclectic blend. <laughs> they should do an album together. They should. <laughs> They'll find a way with that Chopin uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> man. All right. And finally, drum roll, right? Imaginary drum roll. I got nervous. What would you do if you weren't a career musician? You know what? I think I would be, and my mother would laugh at me if she heard this, but I think I would because you can't, you can't try to be this, you just are this or not, but I would totally be like an academic. Like I would just be in studying something. Yes. I would be maybe, yes. maybe a philosopher um, or studying philosophy or I just, the, 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 the idea of studying the brain and everything that goes around with thought, human behavior and the brain, I would be in that world, which would be a lot of um, schooling, education. I would just be in that I don't even know the words to call it, what to call it, but that would be I love so it. into that. Amazing. You would be a scholar. I'd be a scholar. Yeah. I'm a student for life anyway, though, aren't we Amen all? Amen to that. What yes. would you be? Wow. Uh, you know, I would. the scholar thing is a big deal. Definitely philosopher has always crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. I love the concept of that. Uh, I love architecture. Mm. I love interior design. Yeah, I love design. I love textiles and textures. Yes, like I'm the I'm the nerd who when you walk into a cool <laughs> touching things up bar, the yeah, I'm touching the walls. Yes. Like you go to in New York or L. A. or anywhere in Europe, you go to some cool bar and you're like, whoa, how did they think <laughs> to put these things together? You know, I'm touching stuff. You know, I get it. Yeah, I get it's so it. So neat. So that cool. with a nice with a nice glass of scotch. Oh, yeah, some good yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you're set. You know. You're set. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You're so set. finally, I didn't ask you this question. Yes. So normally we'd end right here, but I got this is an addendum. We got to add this on. Yes. What the hell brought you to Rotterdam, Holland? Oh. Tell us a quick the quick story about that. Oh my God, Rotterdam. Um, well, I grew up in New York City with my mom. I lived in Holland till I was five. I was born in London. We moved to Holland because my dad was a conductor for the Netherlands Chamber wow. Choir. They split. My dad stayed in Holland, remarried. My mom took my brother and I to New York. So I grew up in New York, but all of my summers were with my dad in Holland. And so it was, Dutch was my first language. And um, I'm, wow. that's, I've been kind of taking courses and re relearning all Dutch again because it's like super difficult. And everyone in Holland speaks English, so you can never really learn, you know. Um, so my boyfriend lives in Rotterdam, and he's a jazz musician in Rotterdam and composer and arranger. And so wow. I found I was touring so much in Europe um, that I just, Holland, Holland's already my home my entire life, that the more I just got away from LA and was touring, I was just like, I actually wanna be, I just wanna be here. And here I am, I just got my uh, residency Dutch, I'm English, I'm an English national living in Holland. So it's a whole Brexit thing right now. And I just got that like residency card today, wow. like an hour ago. So, um, but I'm American European. And so I can work and live and transport myself all over the place, which is, I feel really fortunate. Hi. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, oh, that is so fortunate. You realize that is like the storybook I know. life of an artistic being. Like just, and even how you were born and, and from 
oh my gosh, the cosmopolitan <laughs> life that you have lived is yeah, it amazing. sounds very cosmopolitan. Wow. It's more geographical because my parents were both classical musicians, so no one had yeah. any money, but it seems very fancy. <laughs> yeah, but the culture and the art yeah. and, like yeah. you said, uh, man, just immersed in it your whole life. Yeah, so just amazing. like really exposed to, when we started yeah. coming over to Europe, like really being exposed to Europe at a young age. Um, yeah. I, pre- I always knew it was, I appreciated it very, very much, very young, but I didn't think I'd actually live in Holland but now it's like Rotterdam is like one of the coolest cities in the world and Amsterdam and there's nothing like Amsterdam. Uh, I couldn't just... agree more. I've only been like once or twice. To Amsterdam to or Rotterdam? Yeah, to Amsterdam. Yeah. How, yeah, I don't think I've been to Rotterdam. Yeah, no, no. I've been to Amsterdam and Copenhagen, which yeah. is still close, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm so gel. Well, wow. I'm so jelly. I'll send you photos <laughs> of the canals. Oh, don't. It'll be like ripping my heart out. Come on. I'll be like, no, I want to ride my bicycle. There. Yes, I ride a bike every day. Because everybody rides bikes. Yeah, I love I that. swear, oh. I just want to say this, like everyone, you're, you might be 95 years old and you're riding a bike and everyone is fit, but they're riding a bike from such a young age that I truly think their health care costs are down because of it. Like compared yeah. to our country, they, it's just in the, it's in the culture and you still eat oh. cheese and bread every day and it's fine. Oh. I want to be European, so I'm so mad at you right now. But you're okay. Cuban, which is amazing, <laughs> the most amazing culture ever. So. Yeah, it is. It's a great culture. I love it. Yes. But yeah. Okay. Lucy, you have been an amazing guest. This has oh, been awesome. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for having me. In the music industry, there are so many avenues to travel. Join host Nomad as he dives into the crazy world of entertainment, going behind the scenes to gain insider knowledge of how to maintain a healthy career in the music business. Your value is not determined by the gig. Learn more by listening to the Career Musician Podcast, streaming everywhere. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one man band. I know man, yeah. I'm no man. Yeah. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. <laughs> 
From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.